This is Condopedia, where we talk about everything condominium law related in Ontario, with hopefully some humor mixed in. Hi everyone, David here and we are back with another episode of Condopedia. Episode 4 is a recording of our latest Q&A session that occurred this past Friday, May 8th, 2020. We focused our discussions on meetings, specifically on holding them virtually. We provided some comments on two options that are out there. One, using a service called GetQuorum in conjunction with Zoom. Two, just using Zoom to hold an owner's meeting. We took a bit of time to go through each option with specific tips on how to hold these virtual meetings. Our firm has also prepared some documents to help those of you who wish to conduct meetings virtually during the COVID-19 situation. So be sure to follow our social media and our blog for those documents. We also went through some documents visually during the Q&A. So this podcast is available in video format on YouTube. Just search for our channel, Davidson Who Allen. Finally, the beginning of the recording was a little bit cut off due to some technical issues. Nancy was giving some comments on some key issues to consider for virtual meetings. The main takeaway being, no size fits all. Right now in Ontario, condominiums can conduct meetings electronically, even though in normal times a bylaw is required. Obviously, we aren't in normal times, and the emergency order allowing virtual meetings continues to remain in effect. However, it is certainly something we hope condominiums think about as an item to cross off their list when things return, hopefully, somewhat back to normal. For some condos, postponing a meeting might be the best option. This might be particularly applicable for condos whose owners' meetings or AGMs are typically scheduled for later in the year. It might also be applicable if there are contentious issues to be discussed. Next, meeting procedure is still crucial. In Ontario, this means you still need to send out your notices and proxies, etc. With that, I'll let Nancy take over and talk about the next point, participation. Participation is necessary. We have to make sure that there are alternate methods of participation even if we're having a virtual meeting. For those who don't have access to a computer, this may look like a mailed-in proxy plus a telephone call during the meeting. There are going to be limits to somebody who can attend, who is attending by telephone and mailing in a proxy. It means that you probably will not have the ability to live vote. But again, we'll talk about that a little bit more as we carry on through our meeting today. Next, the validity of the meeting cannot be lost. So when you're doing your virtual meeting, you still have to make sure that your virtual meeting mimics an in-person meeting as best as you possibly can. You still need to be able to validate your registration and your attendance. You still need to be able to validate that there's no duplication of proxies. You need to be able to validate the voting process. You need to allow motions from the floor. You need to allow for Q&A. So we're gonna talk today about the various processes that you can look at for trying to make sure that your meeting, your virtual meeting mimics an in-person meeting. Next thing to think about is if you're gonna do the virtual meeting, book everything and everyone early. Again, you have to follow all the same requirements, so you don't want to be thinking just a couple of days or, or a week or two before the meeting, oh shoot, which platform do I wanna use? Which electronic platform do I wanna use? Or who needs to be there? Again, book everyone early. I think there's gonna be a bit of a rush soon as we all start to move forward with these virtual meetings and you don't wanna miss some of the key people that you might need. And finally, do a dress rehearsal. Make sure you do at least one dress rehearsal with all of the hosts, all of the board members, the panelists, the auditor, whoever, the recording secretary to make sure that they're comfortable with how the meeting is going to be recorded. Because remember, you still need a recording secretary for your virtual meeting. The recording on your platform that you're using will not constitute the official record of the meeting. So you still need to have your recording secretary. So do your dress rehearsal with all the key players to make sure everyone is comfortable with how, what this meeting is gonna look like and how it's gonna go. So let's start off then with what I would call the Cadillac of meetings. And I'm going to share my screen here for just a couple of moments. The Cadillac of meetings, everybody can see that? Get quorum. Get, we, we have talked with GetQuorum um, quite extensively to understand their product. Get 
Quorum works in conjunction with Zoom technology. So they've combined their technology to make sure that the two talk together. Sorry, we've got Kayla in the meeting room. I'm just going to admit Kayla. There we go. These, the, so Get Quorum and Zoom have, are working together so their technology talks to each other. What is included in a Get Quorum and Zoom meeting? They host the virtual meeting for you. Oh, wow. They do the red. Uh, they do the registration, they do the pre-notice, they do the notice, they do the proxy, they take care of the electronic voting, they do live administration and moderation. So as you can see, I'm just scrolling through the page here. It's a full service option. There's just some great pamphlets that we have. Anybody can get them from their website. This is the first pamphlet. It gives you just a snapshot. And then their second pam pamphlet goes through how they do the hosting of the virtual AGM, how the webcast works, what the dress rehearsal looks like, what the hosting looks like, how muting and speaking works, registration, start of the meeting, all of the various aspects of the meeting. You can book a session with Get Quorum for about an hour to do a uh, mock demonstration of your, I'm just gonna stop sharing my screen here, to do a mock demonstration of how to run your AGM. And I'm gonna say, again, it's the Cadillac. It, it does everything for you. There are, there are definitely several meetings I can think of over the past year that probably would largely benefit from having a get quorum slash Zoom situation. Because at the end of your meeting, you will get a specific recording that sets out all of the votes. You can do the online live voting. You'll get a record of attendance. You'll get everything from a third party provider that they have certified. One-stop shopping takes the responsibility and the management out of your hands. So Cadillac sounds great. Lots of pros to the Cadillac. Unfortunately, there are some cons. The, the two biggest cons that we see or that I've seen if I think about my clients, well, the first one is if you want get quorum um, fully hosted meeting before the end of June, you're out of luck. They're fully booked, uh, moving into, I think the first or second week of July now. So if you are thinking that this is the type of solution that you'd like to have for the fall, you're gonna wanna get in touch with them soon because they're, they're again, they're booked solid. The second, and this is, for, I'm thinking for smaller condominium corporations, it isn't inexpensive. Uh, for a 7 p.m. meeting, the cost is $1,600 plus tax. For condos who are between 1 and 74 units, if you do a 2 p.m. meeting, it's $875 plus tax. So again, if you've got a 10, 20, 30 unit condominium corporation, it may not make economic sense for you to be considering the Cadillac uh, option. Also, one thing to be considering is that your board members may be asking you as managers, well, we like it if you prepare the notice, we like it if you prepare the proxy. And if you're having a third party service provider do that, well, how does the payment for that work? It could be an awkward discussion or it could be an interesting discussion depending on your perspective that you, we might see happening as between the boards um, and the management company when you're using the Cadillac version. So what we as a team did is we spent many hours uh, going through a variety of different options, some platforms, we played around on Zoom. You actually probably would have got a really great chuckle of Christy, myself and Jim minus Ali, it was just the three of us playing around on Zoom and, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny for us trying to figure out all these things. We are not techie experts, we are lawyers and we had a good time. But we've come to what I think are some really good options and really effective options for sharing these virtual, or do, sorry, not, not just sharing, but doing these virtual AGMs in a less than Cadillac version. We're also continuing to explore other electronic voting platforms that perhaps could work in conjunction with Zoom or GoToMeeting or some other platform that we may still continue to experiment with. But for now, to make sure that we can start moving with these forward with these virtual meetings, we have some ideas that we want to present to everybody today on how we think we can get going. So for today's session, we have it set up in the meeting format. But we also can do this in webinar format. And I, I know most of you have been webinared out these days, so you know 
all of the intricacies uh, or many of the intricacies of meetings versus webinars. But for each particular uh, virtual AGM that you may be thinking about doing, one of the first considerations you're going to have is do we do meeting format or do we do webinar format if we're going to use Zoom as our platform? And as Christy and Jim take us through um, our alternative option to the, to the Cadillac version, some of those issues and questions will come up as they go through the demo. So I think that puts us probably right on track with turning it over to Christy and Jim for our um, alternative to the Cadillac option. Jim, Christy, are you guys ready to go? That's great, thank you very much, Nance. Yeah, we're ready to go. And uh, hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Um, as Nancy said, we're going to take you through a little bit of demo so you can see what these other, one of these other alternatives looks like. Um, I'm going to start off with some notes and then Christy's going to work with me as we demonstrate, give you a little bit of a feel for what uh, an electronic meeting can look like using one particular alternative that we like, uh, which is a Zoom uh, webinar. So we'll give you a look at that in a few minutes, but let me just go through some of my notes, first of all, just to get our bearings. So to begin, as Nancy explained, one option is to have an outside party like Get Quorum take care of scheduling and hosting or co-hosting your meeting. And uh, Nancy talked about that as being the Cadillac because they basically take care of your meeting um, organizing and conducting from start to finish. But as Nancy said, we see some other options as well. Uh, and, and the first thing I wanted to say, I should be careful to say that we don't pretend to be experts when it comes to organizing electronic meetings. Maybe we'll all, uh, all of us will get to know much better how to do all this. But we've been doing some experimenting as Nancy described with different options. So we're starting to get reasonably comfortable if asked to chair or to host or to co-host a meeting. Like most other new technologies, our sense is that electronic meetings will get easier and easier for all of us as we become more and more familiar with the technology. So here's my recap of the options that we see so far. Again, hiring a third party organizer like Get Quorum, what Nancy described as the Cadillac, that's definitely an option that's available. Second option, the one that uh, Christy and I are going to demo in a few minutes here, scheduling and holding a video conference, a webinar or a meeting in other words, using a video conference platform without help from an outside third party. So as I said, we've been mainly learning about Zoom and our sense at this time is that a Zoom webinar, more so than a meeting we think, a Zoom webinar looks like a good option for many condo owner meetings. And as I said, Christy and I are gonna take you through a little bit of this in a few minutes. The third one that I wanted to mention, the third option is scheduling and holding an audio conference, or in other words, having a, tele, a, a teleconference, which we've all become very familiar with even over the last number of years. We've all been doing teleconferences, mainly for board meetings and whatnot, but I think a teleconference is, is a, an option that we don't want to forget about. And finally, we mustn't forget the fourth possibility is just to wait for now, if possible. So the six-month deadline for AGMs has, of course, been delayed by the province. We're all aware about this. Um, however, it could be a while before people are ready to attend meetings in person. So this option of waiting may or may not be suitable every time, but I think it's a real alternative in many cases. Nancy and I are gonna talk a little bit more about that um, towards the end of the meeting. Now, I've, so I've listed those, let's say three options. The fourth one is to wait, and many, in some circumstances that'll make sense for you. Which of those three options do we think you should choose for a particular meeting? What are our thoughts on that, at least at this time? And all of this is evolving, of course, but. Here's my answer to that question now. Which of these options would you choose? Um, I would say that the decision about which option to choose between those three options boils down to the following. The method by which owners vote is a little different in each case, or it's, it is fair a bit different in each case. 
And I think that is going to guide you in terms of which of these options you want to choose. And also, as you're going to hear, the complexity of their meeting, the size of the condominium, those are going to be factors. So let me look first at option one. This is the option, you know, the Cadillac, Get Quorum. From our discussions with Get Quorum, Get Quorum is able to handle quite complex voting that requires flexible live ballots, or in other words, somewhat unpredictable ballot voting during the meeting. You guys will know maybe what I'm getting at where um, can, um, candidates are nominated from the floor, uh, we've got motions to amend, uh, uh, changes to the business that has been, let's say, addressed by the proxy voting. And so that in other words, you need some vibrance in the meeting in order to be able to deal with these changes. Um, they, they, in general, I think, at Get Quorum can deal, they have a vibrant enough system, we were satisfied, that it can deal with that kind of unpredictable, uh, un unpredictable uh, ballot voting during the meeting. They can do that. But I want to stress, from our discussions with Get, Get Quorum, the voting and balloting issues may require some advanced preparation. So we had the sense from speaking with them that we might need to prepare them for where the meeting might go. So as an example, what I, one of the examples that we talked about was a no smoking rule where you end up at a meeting to uh, discuss the no smoking rule. Maybe the no smoking rule would prohibit smoking everywhere. And then at the meeting, of course, there's a motion to amend to permit smoking on the balconies. Just a small example. I think that you'd want to make sure that Get Quorum knows about those sorts of um, anticipated amendments in advance of the meeting. So you got to watch for that when dealing with Get Quorum. But again, I think they can accommodate it as long as there's good preparation. Um, so I think that Get Quorum, uh, Get Quorum run meeting is probably not a bad alternative if you are expecting a complex meeting with tricky and or controversial voting, and particularly in a big condominium. Now, I want to stress, I don't think it's that you can't organize such a meeting. I'm going to talk about that in option two. It's just that it may be worth spending to let Get Quorum carry the ball for such a meeting. So you would essentially put it in the hands of Get Quorum. They would deal with all of the subtleties, all of the little twists and turns. They would have the voting already. They would get the organizing already. They would get everybody registered up for the meeting, et cetera. And, and again, that may be worth spending uh, for, I think, more, put it this way, more complex meetings. Okay, so now option two, and again, we got a demo coming on this in a few minutes, but in our view, it's also possible to handle quite complex voting just as part of a regular Zoom, uh, Zoom webinar or a Zoom meeting. And again, I, I think my current view, and I think Nancy and Christy agree, uh, a Zoom webinar may be the better way to go for a condo meeting is the way we see it. But anyway, there are different voting options during a Zoom webinar or meeting. So there's different ways that you can have the participants vote, or in other words, the owners and the proxies, the appointed proxies. There are different ways you can have them vote. We'll show you a little bit of this in a minute. You can have them uh, give you a show of hands. And we're gonna have our participants here today uh, show how that works. You can do a poll which is really very much like a secret ballot. And you'll see how that looks in just a minute. You can do an alternative voting arrangement, um, sort of separate, but, but uh, alongside of the webinar, of the Zoom webinar. So you can do uh, direct email balloting, where the people in attendance receive an email ballot from you and then they return the email ballot during the meeting, or there are other voting, electronic voting platforms that they could go to and uh, record their vote. We're exploring this, um, these different possibilities further. One example is SurveyMonkey is an example that many of you may have, uh, uh, have some uh, familiarity with. And so there are 
there are, the point I'm making is that there are a number of voting methods that you can use. And I think in many cases, if you do a Zoom webinar for your meeting on Zoom, you may find that the show of hands and or a poll, those combinations during the meeting may be just fine to do what you want to do. And so in our view, this option, uh, this option two, sort of what I'll call a Zoom webinar, is a good choice for many meetings, particularly where the voting is not expected to be too tricky or controversial. Um, I think you can handle even controversial or tricky voting by this method. It's just that, as I say, it might be nice to have a third uh, party, just pay them to deal with all of that uh, um, intricacy in a given case. Um, so again, Christy and I are going to come back and we're going to show you some of this in a minute. Now the third option, a teleconference, I think is a fine option where most owners will vote by proxy so that you don't expect more than say 10 people to attend the meeting. So in other words, if you're looking at a small owners meeting or a small group of voters, I think you could just do what I'll call a fairly simple teleconference in order to get the business done. And uh, that I think would be quite an easy, straightforward way of going, not unlike the way you've done many of your board meetings, or you could even do a fairly simple and sweet uh, uh, Zoom webinar just for a small group, of course, that's another option. Uh, not unlike the way you handle board meetings with just a few little differences. So there's the three options. Now, I wanted to come then to our sample and I yeah. know Yes. Just before, we, yeah. just before we get into the sample, maybe one little point we should uh, address as well is for the registration of the Zoom session. If you, do, if you are doing registration at a Zoom session, just so that everybody's aware, you can tailor your registration so that you only admit individuals based on name and unit number right. or some other identifying factor. I wasn't sure if we were going to get into that later. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about the procedure here, and, and then Sorry, Christian will come I, in. That's I just perfect. made a quick note. Just wanted to make sure I didn't. That's get excellent. That. Thank you, Nance. Terrific. Okay, so here, let me pick up again uh, talking about. So, what I wanted to do is sort of walk you through the, the key steps uh, to setting up one of these. Uh, uh, what I'll call a Zoom webinar again. Um, so starting way back from the start, first of all, what we would do is prepare a robust proxy form. And so by that, what I mean is a proxy form with lots of specific voting options so that uh, your owners can vote uh, if on many of the decisions or maybe all of the decisions by proxy if they're willing. And that, so that in other words, we would um, try to encourage even more voting by proxy. So we like to use a word format version of proxy that we've got in our system. And we have a sample AGM proxy form that we've set up. Uh, Christy, can you share that with everyone? You've got that handy, I think, don't you? Yeah, and so you can, if you look on the second page that's up there, you can see all of the specific voting options that would be available uh, on the right-hand side. And so what the idea is just to uh, uh, prepare what I call a robust proxy that gives owners lots of voting opportunity. And so now let me just see, I need to get back to my notes here. Now, for some reason, Christy, can you stop, uh, can you close the sharing? There we go. Okay, thank you. Um, then what you do is you, you schedule the webinar or the meeting on Zoom. And now this is where uh, uh, some of uh, uh, Nancy's comments are gonna come into play here as we go. But basically what that means, what I'm um, meaning to say in this second step is that you choose when you want to have the meeting. You choose a time for the meeting on Zoom and you, you just select it and schedule it. And that's easy to do in Zoom. And then what you do is you ask um, uh, with each of your pre-notices and notices of meeting, you give owners detailed notes about how the electronic meeting will, will work. And um, 
among, among other things, what you will do is encourage them to vote by proxy, set a deadline for delivery of proxies, which we think should be 24 hours in advance of the meeting, tell owners and appointed proxies how to pre-register for the meeting, and they'll essentially need to give you their email address or a phone number if they don't have email. And then you set a deadline for pre-registration as well. So they have to do this uh, by at least 24 hours before the meeting. And we've got a template of these notes that we can give you as well. Um, uh, these notes uh, uh, that you could attach to your pre-notice of meeting and your notice of meeting. And so then everyone who pre-registers, owners and proxies, gets an invite to the meeting. And uh, this is easy to learn on Zoom. You'll see how easily this is to set up. And then they go and register. And as Nancy was saying, when they register for the meeting, you can require them to put in details in terms of their unit number. So you get their name and their unit number. So you know exactly who you're dealing with each time when you're during the meeting uh, or counting up votes after the meeting, you know who it is, what unit they're representing. Um, then the next step we would make, we still haven't gotten to the meeting yet. It's all just in the uh, pre-meeting stage. We would make a chart showing each and every proxy vote. And so in other words, how each person in the proxy voted and the totals. And this is gonna help the host or the chair during the meeting, um, uh, deal with the votes that you're gonna see uh, Christy display in just a minute. Um, so then you start the meeting with all attendees apart from the hosts and uh, the panelists, like whoever you want to uh, be able to talk to one another before the meeting, they would be uh, able to do so, but everybody else, the owners would all be kept in a waiting room until the host wants them to join. And that's essentially what we did with you guys who joined us today. We had our own little meeting in advance with the few of us from DHA. We weren't in the waiting room, but you guys were all in the waiting room. And then you joined the meeting uh, when we were ready to go. And also have the meeting automatically recorded. You can do that on Zoom. And, uh, but you make it clear at the start of the meeting in some of the preliminary discussions when you open up the meeting that it's being recorded, but only for the assistance of the host and the co-host and the minute taker that you're gonna have. And uh, it, uh, we think that for most of these meetings, you would announce as well that the, coast, the, sorry, the host and co-host will act as scrutineers. And, and the reason that makes sense is because the feedback you'll see in terms of the voting comes back to the host and co-host. We think that in most cases it makes sense to have a co-host who would help the chair, the host. And so they get the information back in terms of the voting results. And so they're the logical ones to scrutinize. Um, so all attendees are muted unless and until the host chair uh, wants uh, to allow them to speak. And so they will be invited to speak when moving or seconding or participating in discussion. So moving or seconding a motion or participating in discussion. So here I'm gonna call on Christy and to help uh, with this demonstration. Christy, I'll just hand it over to you to show how someone might show hands and get into uh, the voting mechanism. Go ahead. Sure. Um, yeah, and so to, uh, if you're going to do a vote by way of show of hands, uh, if you're a host, you will be able to see uh, this, I think, automatically. But for any participants who are watching right now, you can click on participants at the bottom of your screen. And you should get, if you don't already have a list of participants on the side of, uh, it's a sidebar that pops up on the side of the screen. And it shows the names of all of the participants and it shows who's muted and who's got their video on and off and so on. At the bottom of that dialogue box, um, you should see, now there is a chat going on. So if your sidebar looks like mine, the top half is um, the participant dialogue box and the bottom half is the Zoom, chat, uh, Zoom group chat. Um, so sort of midway down that dialogue box, right after the list of participants are some buttons that you can press. 
uh, one of which is uh, raise hand. And so we can demonstrate this. Dorothy has just done so. Thank you, Dorothy, for demonstrating. Melinda has as well. Um, and we can all see, including yourselves, uh, the hands going up as people are raising their hand. Um, you can also unraise your hand once you've done so. Um, but for the purposes of an AGM, what will happen is the chair will, or whoever is uh, calling for the motion will, as Jim said, um, ask for somebody to move. Um, so in this case, if we were to say, uh, can uh, I get uh, somebody to volunteer uh, as a mover to um, approve the AGM minutes from last year's AGM. And so I'll ask anyone. So Melinda has, uh, she's the first individual who's got her hand up. So she's the mover. Mo has also put his hand up. So he will be the seconder. I'm going to ask you now to put all your hand, put your hands down. So unraise your hands. Okay, that's good. There's no hands raised right now. So all those in favor, please raise your hand. And I'm going to ask all of the participants on the, on the webinar to go ahead and click raise your hand. And what we will do if, um, so if I'm acting as the scrutineer for the purposes of the meeting, I'm gonna keep an eye on who's raising their hands to make sure, uh, to count them up essentially. Um, then I'll ask that everybody put their hands down. So unraise your hand. Great, and then I'm gonna ask if anybody opposes the approval of the AGM minutes. And I'm gonna keep an eye for anyone. We have a couple people who are opposed. Uh, but so far the motion is carried. So I'll give it another five seconds if anybody wants to oppose. And uh, it, the motion has been carried. There were sufficient hands that uh, carried the vote. Now one thing to note, um, a difference between a webinar and a meeting. So as Jim mentioned, what we're doing right now is uh, a meeting, it's not a webinar. If we were doing a webinar as a host, I would be able to uh, put all the hands down. So I can't because this is just a meeting and everybody is basically participating equally. But in a webinar, the hosts have a lot more uh, authority and power to require certain things to happen throughout the meeting. So one of the things that I could do is I could click a button in the same location where you've got the raise your hand button, I would have an additional button that would say um, unraise all hands. And so I could eliminate all of the raised hands so that it could potentially move it along quicker if you have someone who just can't figure out their technology and is leaving their hand up. Um, but anyway, that's a quick demo of that. Right, thank you, Christy, that's terrific. And just to add a couple little notes, if for most simple motions, non-controversial motions, going through that uh, show of hands process like that will allow the chair very easily to say, just from looking at the hands that are in favor and opposed, it's carried. So non-controversial, way you go. If you have a little bit of a more controversial motion, it's also, I think, absolutely fine uh, just to have the chair uh, slow up a little bit and say, okay, we're gonna wait for a minute, we're gonna do some counts, because we may have to take into account the fact that one or two of those voters has eight votes because they're a proxy for a number of units, for instance, or they may not have the right to vote uh, in relation to a particular uh, motion. And so when it gets a little more subtle like that, it's perfectly proper to take a little bit more time, just as we do sometimes during a live meeting, and we get the scrutineers up at the front of the room to count up the hands and to check to see who's holding up a card with eight and whatever. But we'll have all the information we need at the, uh, as host, whoever's hosting, to look at the chart and figure out whether or not the vote uh, is a close vote to figure out the actual numbers. So that's a um, real Jim, option, a, sorry. Yeah. We have a question from Tasha, um, which you can yeah. see in the group chat. So she's wondering how this method of motioning seconding affects those who are dialing in by phone and are not using uh, the Zoom app or online. Right, app. exactly, it's a really good point. Uh, uh, Nancy was going to um, maybe mention this too, but. The people who dial in by phone, unfortunately, at present, do not get to vote. They don't have any way to participate in this fashion. So we understand it's the same with Get Quorum. We asked that yeah, question as we well. We asked the with question them. of Get Quorums. They, they they don't accommodate that either. We were looking for all sorts of ways to figure that out. They can vote by proxy, is what we were told. Those people participating by phone would have to vote by proxy. They can still come onto the meeting and listen, but they wouldn't be able to vote. 
A great question, terrific question. We're worried about it too. Right now, we don't have a good answer to that. We were thinking of different possibilities like uh, keeping them on a teleconference on a cell phone right beside the chair so that there's sort of a second meeting going on, listening to what's happening right beside the chair. And then, you know, they would vote orally or verbally, or we could try in the middle of the meeting if there was a close vote to call them and ask them, what is your vote on the thing? But um, those details haven't really been hammered out. I think that if we had any kind of controversy coming at a meeting and uh, the person uh, participating by phone was worried about their voting rights, I think we could maybe sort it out in advance, talk to them, see how we're gonna figure out what they would do. And hopefully we would be able to predict that in the preparation stage before we get to the meeting. I hope that answer suits. Nance, did you have something to add, Christy? No, okay. Uh, now, the next thing we wanted to show you guys is a poll. And so we just showed you one method of voting that's available in a Zoom webinar or a meeting, uh, which is a show of hands and you guys participated. And again, that'll be, I think, work for lots of different sorts of, well, it would, I think it would work for any show of hands meeting that you, uh, any show of hands motion that you would do today, the same kind of, uh, at a live meeting, same kind of approach. But now if you want a ballot vote, we think a poll may be the way to go. And so I'm gonna hand it to Christy to show you how a poll will work. Christy, just before we do the poll, could we maybe do one more little demo for, I think a few people can't find the, the raised hands um, button. Oh, okay, let's, you yeah. wanna do another show of hands? Or just, to, just yeah. to tell people where to find it. So if um, you look, there should be a bar at the bottom of your screen that has a mute video and a few other uh, features. The chat is on the bottom of the screen. Um, and there's one that should say participants shows two, two little people um, and a number and it shows the number of people who are participating. If you click on that, um, it brings up a dialogue box on the right hand side of the screen. If you've also clicked on chat, then chat will also be there. So you can click on chat again to remove the chat. So you're just looking at participants. That might be the easier thing. So if yeah, you've got so your you chat up, just click on chat to move to, it will go away. You can click it again to get it back up. I think after people we're are finding it. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, want to so, find all the participants on the listed along the right hand side of your page. That's what you're. Yeah. It's for. A, it's in a weird place. It would be nice if the raise your hand icon was at the bottom of the screen. Um, anyways, uh, so yeah, it's, it's once you've got the participant list up, you click on the participants at the bottom of the screen, you get the dialogue box up, and then there are some buttons at the bottom of that participant dialogue box, one of which is raise hand. Right. Um, okay, I'm going to go back in the chat to make sure, is anybody having trouble with that? Any more issues with finding the button? I think it looks like we addressed it. Okay. okay. Okay, so now, as I said, the other alternative we thought, well, it's available uh, right in a Zoom uh, webinar as part of the Zoom um, uh, platform is a poll. Uh, and uh, this, uh, you can do a poll either in a webinar or a meeting. And Christy's going to show you now how that would work. So go ahead, Christy. All right. So this is our first poll question, um, and it's a motion to uh, reappoint the auditor. Uh, so yeah, we would first need a, a, mo a mover and a seconder on this, which um, I, I think we would probably do by show of hands. Oh, hands but right. uh, yeah, but then this would allow everybody to vote. And the benefit of a poll over the show of hands is that after the meeting, you will get a report. Jim is probably going to talk about this a little bit, but um, so I hope I'm not overstepping here, but uh, you will get a report. Uh, that shows you the results of the poll. And so it will actually show you who voted uh, in what way on this particular poll. And that you, will allow uh, your scrutineers, uh, yeah. Christy, can you just explain how you did that, how you created that poll and then launched yeah. it as the host? Yeah. Sure, so the poll gets created when you're setting up the meeting. So if you're the individual who's setting up the meeting, um, I wonder, anyway, we could maybe, depending on the time, I may just share my screen to show how it looks when you're setting up a meeting and all the different options you've got. Um, Jim mentioned earlier 
you can require participants to register for the meeting and this allows you to ensure that those who are coming into the meeting later on have, have registered and are actually owners within the condominium. These are all things that you would uh, check off or not check off at the time that you're setting up the meeting. It sounds overwhelming and complicated. It's really not. It's really user friendly. Like Nancy was saying earlier that Jim and Nancy and I really just went on um, Zoom and poked around for about an hour, an hour and a half. And um, we, you know, we figured out enough that we thought, well, this isn't actually as magical as it seems. It's actually pretty user friendly and pretty straightforward. And probably anyone can learn to do this. It's just a matter of going in and poking around. So with the polls, same thing as a bunch of other features, it's done at the time that you set up the meeting. So you have the option of creating some polls and you can do it in a number of different ways. Um, you can do a poll that has multiple questions on it. So you can launch a poll, which I've done here. I've launched a poll that has one question. It could have multiple questions. So if you wanted to do a poll on a bunch of things at once, you could do it all at once. You can also do several polls throughout the meeting. So I'm going to show you after this when we have another poll that we set up to do an election. Um, so this was, again, all set up at the time that we created the meeting. If you're the person who created the meeting, you can also edit the poll or create new polls during the meeting. We can, I can't do this because I didn't set up this meeting. It seems to be a bit of an anomaly because if you're a host of a meeting or a host of a webinar, you have a whole bunch of powers that people who are not hosts uh, have. But uh, one, this seems to be one area that we found that only the person who created the meeting has this ability to edit polls. So if you're, um, you know, if, if you're the person who, if you want to ensure that you're able to really manage the polls and manage anything that could come up on the fly, you want to be sure you're the individual who has set up the meeting, or at least the meeting has been set up on your account with Zoom. Um, so that you can do these things during the meeting. Right. Um, yeah. So like I said, if we have time, I can share the screen that shows just like what it looks like when you're setting up a meeting, but there's nothing magical about it. it a, a, an account with Zoom is free, but you do need to pay in order to um, have meetings of more than three people that go beyond 40 minutes. So, and then there's different levels once you start paying, but anyone can get an account. So I think the first thing I would encourage anyone to do is get an account on Zoom and just click set up a meeting and take a look around, um, see what you can do. It's, it's really not as magical as I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> Um, I'm going to oh, end this poll and we'll no, launch uh, the next no, poll. Can you go ahead then? David? Well, let's get people to vote, uh, Christy. Did we have people vote on the poll yet? We have 18 who have voted. So we will end the poll in 20 seconds. I'm going to ask okay. everybody who's on uh, to go ahead and cast their vote on whether or not they want to reappoint the auditor for the current fiscal year. All right, we'll leave it open for five more seconds and then I'm going to end the poll. Okay, uh, and so now I have a screen as a host that allows me to share the results with the participant. It's just a simple button that says share results. So I'm gonna click that so you can all see what the results were. So you, all you can see are the number that voted uh, for, the number that voted against and who abstained. You don't see the individual names. That's something that does come in the report that the host will get at the end of the meeting. So you will get an Excel spreadsheet that has each poll question and then who voted the individual names of the people who voted for the individual names of the people who voted against and those who abstained. So when you're scrutinizing the results the next day or whenever it is, you can cross reference those names against your registration list to ensure that those who voted had the ability to vote. And if they did vote, perhaps they also had proxies. So their vote actually counted more than just the one um, that shows up on your spreadsheet. Yeah, and so this um, was something that maybe, Christy, you wanted me to chime in on, which is that yes. one, one disadvantage of the polling option that we see is that you can't really determine until after the meeting how each person who participated in the poll voted. Uh, you, you can get the, the percentage results, uh, and if it's non-controversial, that's probably fine, but you can't really figure out if two people from the same unit voted, or if somebody with eight votes didn't, of course, uh, voted a certain way, you can't figure that out. So if there's anything controversial, or even an election, 
We're thinking that you would probably use a poll, that's fine. Christy will show you an election in just a minute, but you might have to wait to announce the results until the next day when after the meeting you've been able to scrutinize and verify who won the election and then you can announce it. So that's a little subtlety. We're actually gonna to talk to Zoom about that to see whether or not it may be possible to see the specific poll results during the meeting. So Christy, maybe why don't you go ahead and do your poll now with respect to an election. Okay, so I'm launching the poll for the election. Now, as chair, let's say I'm chairing, I would say to people here, make sure you only vote for two. If you vote for three, it, your decision, your voting decision will be invalid. So don't vote for more than two. You can vote for none or one or two. And if you vote for three and we see that tomorrow, we will not count that. That'll be a spoiled ballot, so to speak, when we scrutinize the vote uh, after the meeting. Yeah, and that actually, um, Jim, relates to Sean McDaniel had um, included a note in uh, the chat, and I know Nancy just responded to it, but he indicated in the previous poll, he had clicked all three options and hit submit, and it went through. So uh, for the appointment of the auditor, he clicked yes, no, and abstain. Um, so that would be a spoiled ballot. Like when it gets scrutinized, that ultimately would be, obviously it's more. Yeah, that would be a spoiled, that would be a spoiled ballot. There's, yeah. uh, I think there's also an option in the system to allow for only one response, but I don't know if you can do that on a poll by poll basis. Maybe you can. Um, anyway, yeah, that's a good point, Sean. I think it's a really good uh, issue. That would, we would either be able to control that in the, at the setup time or we would to treat that as a spoiled ballot when we scrutinize after the meeting. But again, the scrutinizing after the meeting is only of interest for the votes that are, let's say, close, you know, uncertain. And I wouldn't even announce those results until after the meeting. You just say we need, uh, we'll, we'll announce the results of the election tomorrow once we know for sure that we can confirm all the voting. That's the way, that's the way it looks to us it would work. Yeah. Sorry, Christine. Yeah, and just so that, just one more thing. When you're the host um, uh, and you're hosting one of these meetings, along the bottom bar, uh, you will have a poll button. So that's really like I just right. click that and a dialogue box comes up and it tells, it leads me through the process of launching the poll to the participants. And here I'm going to end the poll right now. And then I'm going to share the results with everyone. It's very, very user friendly. Like, again, there is absolutely no magic to this. So it might seem intimidating, but it's really not when you do it. I, I was actually quite intimidated by it, but, um, but yeah, just... And, and, yeah. Uh, two little points then. Everybody's now seeing those results, but we, we would probably, if we were chairing a meeting today, we, we probably wouldn't show those results of the election because we don't really know. It hasn't been scrutinized. For instance, some of those votes for Jane Brown may have been by owners who had the right to have eight votes. And so we don't really know what's happened yet. And so we probably, probably shouldn't show them to people this kind of result um, just yet. Uh, but Christy's showing that you can share it if you want to. And if you um, don't have very many proxies, Jim, like if you only have yeah. two, if you only have two proxies right. and everybody else is attending in person, you could share. You might share it then. Yeah. yeah, you might share yeah. it then. That's right, Nance. I agree completely. And so, and again, these polls are set up before the meeting. So you know more or less what's coming. There may be somebody nominated at the meeting, and then they would have to be added to your election poll, which, as Christy said, you could do if you were also the meeting organizer. Um, but uh, in general, these things are set up before the meeting because you know what's coming. Okay. Sorry, Chrissy. No, that's that's it. I think. Uh, yeah, and yeah. The, the one other thing we wanted to show you before we're done is that you know how a big part of condominium meetings is question and answer, so that the auditor is making their presentation. You would have introduced the auditor, and then you invite the auditor to make the presentation. You can share the audited financial statements with everyone as the auditor is making a presentation. That's all very easy. That's uh, uh, possible for the host. And then people may have questions. And there's a nice function 
um, in, I, I guess, only in, in the webinar, which is question and answer, where you know how we've been getting questions on chat here today. It's similar to that. The, the uh, uh, owners in attendance could ask their questions and then they could be accumulated. And then when the auditor is finished doing their report, the chair can say, you know, we've got one or two questions for you here as well for you to answer. And then those could be answered. And the same thing could apply to the report from the president and could apply also at the end of the meeting. Does anybody have any questions? And you might not accept as chair every one of those questions as, as being legitimately re requiring an answer. So for instance, you might take some questions and say, we don't think, you know, we're not going to introduce that question. We're, uh, we're just not going to mention it because it really deals with the owner's own specific problem. But uh, Christy, can you show anything in terms of that? I guess it's really just a chat function here today that we yeah, can watch. Yes, so we have eh? the chat. Um, on a webinar, there's also a Q&A button. So there's chat, but there's also Q&A. Um, when you're setting up the webinar, the Q&A can be made so that it only is, it's only received by either the host or the host and the panelists. Um, and the panelists would be those who have a speaking role at the webinar. So with the webinar, there are hosts who are in charge of the controls, so to speak. There are panelists who have the ability to turn their cameras on and speak at the meeting. And then there are attendees who have, who really can just watch and then participate through Q&A or chat or polling or raising their hand, like in un, not uh, verbal ways. Um, now, as the host, you can allow individuals to speak. Uh, that's up to the, that's up to you as to whether or not you want to allow individuals to come on and, and speak, but they can still participate in nonverbal ways, which might be a little less disruptive. And if you're doing an electronic meeting, it might encourage it to go a little more smoothly. So the Q&A is a button at the bottom, just like the chat button that you see right now, um, which will be available if you're doing a webinar. And as I said, you can have the Q&As, the questions going to all of the participants or you can have them just going to the hosts or going to the hosts and the panelists who can then answer those questions. So um, Jim, as you said, like if a question comes into uh, the host or the panelists, uh, that individual can read the question to those who are in attendance and then provide the answer or direct the answer to be provided by whoever is right. most appropriate. Yeah, now the, uh, another thing that I wanted to say just before we sort of close this part, I know there's, uh, we've got a couple other questions that uh, we've got answers to, but um, what I wanted to say was, this is all, I think, still a work in progress. In other words, uh, there's some, Im uh, some improving that, for instance, Zoom can do to make this work a little bit better for condos. We have, we're, we're aware that there are other platforms, there are other video conferencing systems available, uh, platforms. Uh, but the little bit of research that I've done, I don't pretend to be an expert. I've looked at a few of these things and the going uh, a view right now is that Zoom seems to be the most effective one. In other words, it seems to be the platform of choice for most of these sorts of meetings. You, you can hear from what you've heard today that it's not perfect. There are a little bit of, there are some subtleties that they could still improve. But it seems to be the best. And we thought when we were going through it, that it, it, you can work with it reasonably well uh, to achieve the voting, have your meeting uh, reasonably well. Um, but if you, if you get into a really complex meeting, well, that's when you might want to do the Cadillac, get quorum business, um, and let them just carry the ball. Uh, uh, Nance, Christy, did you want to add anything? I know we've got the Victoria lined up to answer a question. Yeah, um, we've uh, we've only got about five or six more minutes because right. I know everybody's super busy, and I I do tr we we try and keep every ourselves to our uh, allotted time, right. but we might need to do a, a part two virtual meetings once we play around a little bit more. There's some sure. great questions coming up in here, uh, so maybe we'll we'll close it out on the meeting section by just talking very quickly about uh, the emergency order. Uh, I know there's some dialogue out there about whether AGMs that were are were overdue the day the emergency order came into effect should now be called or must now be called. And uh, Jim, you had some thoughts about that. I, I do. Uh, well, basically, what I think, and Victoria can speak a little bit more about this, but uh, what we ended up concluding, I think, is that it didn't really change things for 
existing condominiums and their repair and maintenance projects. Oh, no, I was talking about, sorry, I think you missed sorry. my question, Jim. It was the AGMs that were overdue by the 15th. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I, yeah. I, I, I thought I heard uh, the, uh, or you mentioning the order there, Nan. Yeah, sorry so about sorry. that. Yeah, no. um, the AGMs that uh, were overdue and now um, uh, they can be delayed according to the order from the uh, province those AGMs, in my view, can still be delayed. I don't think you have to hold them during the emergency period uh, just, because, uh, just because they were due before the emergency started. That was the conclusion I came to. Uh, I know that some others are, th are thinking that you have to hold these meetings if they were due before the emergency period. I don't take that view, and I, I think uh, Nancy, you looked at this as well. I think others uh, in our firm have looked at it. Yeah, That's what we you think were concluding as well. Yeah, we were concluding that it would. It's a reasonable option to assume that the intention of the legislation or the intention of the sorry the emergency order was to allow corporations the flexibility to right. put all of these types of AGMs forward. There are a couple of meetings that do have to proceed unless you can get the consent of others not to, for example, a requisition meeting. If you get a requisition for a meeting, unless you can convince the requisitionist to allow for it to be postponed, unfortunately you will have to proceed. So there you're looking at a virtual meeting. So just in our last uh, three or four minutes that we have, we'll turn it over to our final question. Um, that we did receive from, oh, I'm sorry, before we get to our final question, we, we did receive a, a question about reopening and, and being proactive, what steps we should take. We're going to put that off because we're not quite there yet. In fact, we saw an increase in cases today in Ontario. So um, let's let's wait to do the reopening stuff until our next uh, Q&A session. And we'll deal today with construction on the common elements and unit renos in light of the recent uh, amendment to the essential services right. list. So Victoria, that's over to you. All right, so I'm going to try and be really fast here. Uh, so in terms of uh, repair and maintenance to an existing condominium property, which includes uh, unit, renovati unit renovations, uh, the May 4th amendments to the province's essential businesses did not change anything. In our view, the recent changes in relation uh, to condominium constructions relates to new condominium construction. And so in summary, for work to proceed at this time, the board needs to be satisfied that the proposed work is strictly necessary and therefore uh, essential as described at paragraph uh, 20 of the province's list of essential services. Um, the board also needs, needs to be satisfied that the work can proceed uh, without any unacceptable uh, risk to safety or security. Um, this is an additional uh, matter for consideration uh, of the board on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, I also wanted to remind everyone that paragraph 30 of the uh, of the province's list of essential services uh, continues to permit any non-essential maintenance or repair work commenced on uh, or before April 4th to continue. Uh, in our view, whether or not uh, this non-essential work can proceed uh, can be decided by the board. Um, you know, uh, we previously mentioned this in our last webinar that the board's decision will need to be uh, we'll need to take into account the specific circumstances of the condominium corporation. And if the board does decide to allow this non-essential work to go, or sorry, decides to not let this uh, non-essential work to proceed, uh, the owner must be provided with an opportunity to bring their condition to a livable uh, condition. Um, so to summarize, uh, the May 4th amendments to the province's essential businesses uh, didn't change anything um, in relation to unit repairs. Uh, that's it for me. <laughs> Great, thank you, Vic. So we know that uh, some own, some managers may be getting pushback from um, owners saying they want to get this work done. Well, at this point in time, you may want to push back a little bit as well and say, well, our legal counsel is telling us we, we don't have to let you do that work right now. If your legal counsel is saying something different, you go ahead and provide us with your legal opinion and we'll see where we go from there. We'll do our best to try and get a short blog out on this to assist our managers who are getting pushback on that. Um, and stay tuned for that in the next couple of days. In the meantime, it is, uh, I think, 2.01, or sorry, 3.01, my goodness, time flies. It's 3.01, so I will thank everybody for coming today. I will welcome everybody to tell us if there's more that we can do to help you with virtual meetings, little tips or tricks that you guys might find 
things that you might think would be helpful from our perspective that we can share with you. And we'll do another one in a couple weeks' time when we have a bit more of these under our belt. I know I've got, I think, four of them scheduled for the next couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to learning all the ins and outs and intricacies. So thank you, everybody, and we look forward to your comments. And happy weekend! Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Conopedia is brought to you by Davidson Hu Allen, a boutique condominium law firm servicing Eastern Ontario. You can find more about our firm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or on our website at davidsonconolaw.ca. This podcast is for information purposes only and is not intended to provide legal opinion or advice, which cannot be given without knowing the facts of a specific situation. Use of this podcast does not establish a solicitor-client relationship. The intro and outro music is provided by Purple Planet. You can find them at purple-planet.com.